2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. More and more like Him. Being transformed is not just about a salvation moment. Being transformed is not just about a baptism moment or a, or a particular moment. It's a series of moments that all of us will experience and continue to experience. And my prayer is that you, along with me, can, can sort of say the creed of this church. My name's John and I'm being transformed or whatever your particular name is because I'm still on a transformation journey and it will never finish until I get to heaven to be with Jesus. And that's the same for you and for me. And this is why as a church whose vision has transformed lives, I want to talk about five different aspects of how transformation happens in your life and in my life. How transformation is a continuous journey, how it's not a one-off moment or a year or six months, but it's a lifetime journey. I'm going to talk about these aspects and they're not necessarily sequential and they're not necessarily stages, but I believe in each of these aspects we go deeper and deeper with God as we're transformed together. Are you ready to have a look at these? The first one is this, it's, it's a beginning a relationship with God. The beginning moment. When transformation really starts is when we say yes to God. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? I receive Jesus as my Savior. And in that moment, in that powerful moment, I become born again, a new person, a new creation. In that moment, I've watched so many times a radical shift of someone get filled with peace or someone get, uh, get anxiety shift off them or just the light goes on as they become born again, a new spiritual creation. This moment of, of uh, beginning a relationship with God and then continuing a relationship with God as that relationship gets better and better and better is, is not about an intellectual knowledge only. It's about a heart connection with God. It's, it's not just, I mean, I could say, look, I, I know Kanye, but I don't really, I know about him from what I, but I don't know him. I don't have a personal relationship with him. Probably you don't either in this room. Some of you are like, who's Kanye? Don't worry, it doesn't matter. The issue here is some people will know about God because they heard about Him in school. They grew up learning about Him in RE or, or maybe uh, in, in Sunday school or whatever it might be, or maybe not at all. And they've heard about God. But a relationship with God is not an intellectual knowledge about God. In fact, you could study Hebrew and Greek at a head level but not have a relationship with God. And transformation begins when you and I begin that relationship with God. And this, the things that we do here in worship and prayer behind the scenes that builds an atmosphere. Uh, things like Alpha that Sienna just talked about. Things uh, like an encounter experience. And we have an encounter experience every six to eight weeks in our church. And it's available to anyone who wants to go from knowing about God God up here to experiencing His love, being filled with His Holy Spirit. Uh, so many of the, the, the programs, the, the moments that we have in the life of our church, they're, they're not just programs, they're life-giving, uh, thought-out, strategic things to help us connect with God. And if you'd like to do our encounter experience, you can do it online, you can do it in Melbourne, on the Sunshine Coast. The details are all in the next step zone on our website for whatever location you go to. The first thing is, 
Transformation begins with a relationship with God. The second thing is this, the second aspect of transformation is we connect with God's family. Come on, we are family. I won't sing it to you right now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. That means right now you're, you're surrounded in this room or online, you're watching along with your bro, your cousin. Come on, come on, someone, some Kiwis right now. You've got some cousin bros who are joining us, Teresa, right now online. Doesn't matter where you were born. I saw this week uh, Ursula in Melbourne. You were born in Invercargill in New Zealand, the southernmost part of the earth, okay? But it doesn't matter where you were born physically. When you get born again, God places you in a family. Maybe in the chat right now. Say where you were born, what part of the world you were born. Do that for us right now. And 1 Timothy 3 verse 14 says, and 15, Paul's talking to the church and he says, I want you to know, this is verse 15, how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. That's the church. If you've been born again and you're part of our church, whatever, whether online community, whether it's Melbourne or the Sunshine Coast, we're family. C3 Powerhouse is your family. I love that we belong to a tribe. Our family's part of a tribe. It's the C3 tribe. Globally, 600 plus churches around the world, led by Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, who are going to be here preaching for us next week. Don't miss it. Amazing Sunday coming up. Pastor Phil and Chris are once in a generation leaders, shaping the body of Christ. Let's not be familiar that we get to have them come to our church every year. It's going to be a great moment. And that's, that's our tribe. C3 is our tribe, but then we're part of the body of Christ, the greater, the capital C church all around the world together. We're part of a family. We're part of a family. Now, now there's, there's a big shift that we have to make uh, somewhere along the line about how God sees church. See, if you're not careful, you'll see church as an activity that you do in the week. I've got church on Sunday, soccer practice on Monday, Tuesday I've got dancing classes. Come on, somebody. You've got your dancing classes on Tuesday, I know you do. On Wednesday, maybe it's Scouts, maybe Thursday, it's, it's Book Club, maybe Friday, you've got bowls, whatever it might be, you've got work, your kids have got all these programs and extra academic things. Saturday, I know what it's like for some of you, you've got kids and they're running all over the place to sport here and this here and that there. And then, and then, and then Sunday, if we're not careful, we can see it as just one of the activities of the week. But when God talks about church, He's not talking about an activity only. He's talking about a family. He's talking about a life connection. In fact, when Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to skip through a bit of it in the message. He just says this, at the center of all of this, go right down with me, at the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. What he's saying is the church is not just something that's out there with the soccer club and the dance club and school and your workplace. and church. It's not one of those things. The church is central to your life because you're born into the church. When we get that right, when we understand that it's not an activity that we do, 
but it's who we are and we gather together, then we make the priority of it. I love this. I think this, this component that I'm talking about right now in transformation is a key shift for many people. Yeah. And there's two aspects of the shift from church being an optional activity to a central part of my life. The first is when I shift from attending church yeah. to engaging. Yeah. From attending to engaging in relationships. Years ago, our church used to meet in the Kiwana um, Community Church, and just before us, the Catholics would meet. And we, there were some beautiful people that we, we would meet uh, on our way in and out. But I, this is what would happen. There'd be 250 people, and church would finish at 9 o'clock. And at 9.01, there was about 10 people left. It was like everybody did a runner. I'm out of here. Because I attended, but I'm not engaging in relationships. Wow. And when you make the shift from being an attender, and you can watch online right now, maybe some of you have been doing it for a few months, and you haven't actually begun to engage, you haven't said, hey, this is my name, I want to be part of a community. Today's the day to make the decision to move from watching, from attending, to engaging. Come on, somebody, you, you, you know, it's like that last prayer, and you're getting out of here as soon as you can. What, you're what I call a runner. Come on, you're, you're like... Done it, and I'm running. Don't talk to me. Now, whether it's because you're an introvert, whether you just don't want to get committed because uh, you've got commitment issues, whatever it might be, but it, the moment you go from being an attender who runs to an engager in relationship, you're starting to get what Christ created you for, and that's to be part of a community, part of a family, part of his body. And I know it can be awkward. Come on, somebody. You've always got the awkward uncles and aunts. You've always got the, the weird cousins. That's family. Some of us are a little, a little extra, and that's okay. But I'm telling you right now that if you can push through the awkwardness and the shyness and the embarrassment of, of beginning to engage, on the other side of that comes rich relationships, comes, comes a tribe and family who will be with you in the toughest times. I know some of you going through some tough times right now. Some of you watching are fighting cancer. Some of you watching are going through sad, difficult moments. And you've made the effort to be part of the church family. And I want to tell you we're with you. We're praying, we're believing. Because you haven't just intended, you've engaged, you'll feel the arms and the love of your church around you. That's what it means to move from being an attender to an engager. And the second shift that we make if we're going to have the transformation life that God wants us is, is this, and it's the shift from consuming to contributing. Consuming to contributing. We joke with our kids about this. Your family, therefore this is not a hotel. I remember telling our son this, uh, you know, this is not a hotel where you come in and you leave. Dan, um, Dan was having this conversation with him where you just get your food, have your bed and leave. And he's like, be careful, mum, I'll give you a bad, a bad review on TripAdvisor. <laughs> I, no, 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 wrong mindset. It's not a hotel. Church, it, this, if it's an activity that you do, then you'll see it as something that's, that's put on for you. And that's okay for a season. You come, you might come beaten up, you might come doing it tough, you might come not knowing who God is. You might come and, and maybe you've, you've been in church for a season and you, you, you know you need a break, and I get that. 
But as you come along, someone's filming today. Someone's greeting you today. Someone's engaging with you today. Someone's led us in worship today. Someone's looking after kids today. Someone's doing administration. And the majority of those people are people who are doing it not for pay, but because they're family. Because when you're family, you do the dishes. When you're family, you do the chores. I don't say to the kids, okay, which one of you have got the spiritual gift of dishwashing? I don't say, sorry, honey, I can't put the bins out. That's not my spiritual gift. I'm just family. And so when we're family, we do what it takes to serve one another, to serve people who are coming in the future. It's a really important part. Along the way, we learn our gifts and we, we really engage at a deeper level. But initially, two of the great moments that I love when I see it, when people are coming to church and becoming part of the family as they go, well, I'm in. I'm going to engage and join a group. And there's a great opportunity again via the website in our foyer today, Next Step Zone, to join a group because I want to engage in relationship or I'm going to join a team because I'm part of the family. And I'm not going to be a consumer I'm going to be a contributor. I'm going to be a person who's putting in the effort and serving others. I'll sweep the floor, cook the meals. I love it. Can I say to parents right now, particularly parents of tweens and teens, there's a season that kids go through where church doesn't feel like it's cool. I get that. It's, it's normal. It's the same season where it's like you as a parent are not cool. And I get that. And I'm still trying to make a comeback from that season in my kid's life. It's okay. And maybe you are as well. But during that season, here's, here's two things you can do. Make sure your kids are, are plugged into youth group. Because then they'll find some cool people who love God and who love church. And it will be inconvenient. It'll take you driving places. But plug them into youth group because when they plug into youth group, they'll have role models who love God and who love the house of God. And secondly, get them on a team on Sunday. Just get them serving. They can film. They can work. They're better at computers than most of us. They can help out in creation, kids' church. But when they've got a reason to come, they'll learn the power of serving. The church. If church is just about coming for me and I'm not enjoying it, it's an optional extra. But if church is about me coming to serve my family, then that, that might be the only reason they come for four years. Because you taught them to serve and you modeled that yourself. A, a great wise pastor friend of mine told me his name's Simon McIntyre. He said, when a parent makes the choice to be part of church once a month, it'll be once in a lifetime for a child. Because it's an optional extra, not central to my life. That's the second component of being transformed is where we move from, uh, and connect to God's family. All right, are we doing all right right now? The third aspect is what, what I call experiencing freedom and healing. Yeah. Freedom and healing. Jesus was hanging around with a lot of unchurched rat bags, heathens. And the Pharisees began to criticize him for this. And he heard this and it says, Mark chapter 2, verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, not those who think they've got it together, but those who know they are sinners. Church is a church for sick people. Family is a place where we can come without issues. Come on, you've got issues and I've got issues. 
We've all got issues. I think it was Julia Michaels who sang that song. I've got issues, you know the song? I've got issues. I'm overjealous. I'm overzealous. That's the song. Uh, Maybe I like to call church Dysfunction Junction. And no one's giving me a lot of amens right now. That's okay. (laughs) I, I, I get that. But the reality is all of us have got stuff on the inside of us. Things that we, if we don't deal with them, they will sabotage our future. Things from our past, habits, trauma, problems. Uh, uh, You'll often, if you stick around for a while, you'll hear me say this, is you're only as sick as your secrets. And if we don't let the secrets of our past that are sabotaging us, messing with us, undermining us, if we don't let somebody in, then we'll find that we don't become the people that God wants us to be. There's There's a key component of your transformation journey where you go, I need healing and freedom. I need healing and freedom. I need healing from anxiety. I need healing and freedom from addictions. I need healing and freedom from depression. I need it from rejection. I need it from the shame of my past. I need it from the torment that I'm experiencing. I've got trust issues and I need freedom and healing. My relationships keep breaking down and I'm lonely. I need freedom and healing. There's destructive patterns in my life. I need freedom and healing. I'm I'm stingy and bound up. I need freedom and healing. I'm, I'm traumatized with pain. I need freedom and healing. Jesus said it was prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah 61, verse 1, like this. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around Jesus because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. That's salvation. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives you're free, and to tell prisoners be free from your darkness. Most of our issues, most of our dysfunction comes from things that have happened to us in the past or been told to us, either that we did or somebody else did. And here's the amazing thing. This is how my observation as a pastor of 20 years is some of the issues get dealt with the moment we get born again. We get born again and we literally become a brand new creation. Former things have passed away. And I've watched people who were depressed meet Christ and in a moment have an overwhelming joy because they became born again. I've watched people who are crippled by anxiety in a moment of salvation invite God into their life. And because they became a new creation, they're they're changed and healed. I remember praying for a person once as they received Christ. And as they made a decision to, be, to get born again, and as I prayed, just God, that would you come and live in them? I didn't know it, but they'd been, had broken ribs, had x-rays from broken ribs from domestic violence, and in that moment, the power of God just healed them. Didn't pray for it. It just happened in the moment. They went and got x-rays, and they had before and after, within two days, healed. That often happens. There's, there's often an issue or a range of issues get solved by becoming a new creation. That's one thing. But here's the interesting thing. Where one person gets free from uh, anxiety instantly, somebody else has to go on a journey. It's not the same for everybody. So the second way that we we begin to experience freedom and healing is we immerse ourselves into our relationship with God and church. You, You come along and you worship. And as you worship, God washes pain 
out of your soul. As you read the Word, it, it cleans you up. As you hear preaching, hope comes into your life. As you, as you join relationships and groups and have meals together and you're hugged and accepted, then God just brings a healing that, that time brings and love and family brings. That's a wonderful part of freedom and healing. That's a little bit like someone who's got a cut that needs healing. And as long as you, you clean it up and you put some anesthetic on it and give it some rest and time, it's just going to heal itself in the right atmosphere. For many people, your healing journey comes just by being immersed in God's love in His family. But there's a third component, and this is the one that's the most painful. Imagine if you had a, a, a big splinter that got deep inside your foot. It's not just a matter of a bit of antiseptic. It's not just a matter of a good atmosphere. It's not just a matter of, of rest and keeping your foot off it. If you don't deal and get that out of you, it's going to be a long-term problem and pain and cause all sorts of issues. That's where we need one another. This is the healing and freedom journey where I say I'm going to go after healing and freedom. I know that there's a sickness in my soul and, and I know that it's not getting fixed just by hanging around and worshipping and being born again. I've got to go after this thing. I need, here's, here's the, the big component of it. I can't deal with it myself and I can't deal with it with just me and God. I, need, I can't reach that bottom of my foot to get that splinter out. I need somebody else to help me. There comes a humility. There comes a moment. James 5 verse 16 says it like this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. How do I get healed? I confess my stuff to somebody else. They pray for me. Not, that's not how I get forgiven. I confess to God and He forgives me. But I get healed when I let somebody else in. When I let someone into my world. We have a, a range of different ways of doing this, whether it's through conferences, through altar calls, but particularly the entry point is something we call our freedom experience. Again, it happens every six to eight weeks. You can do it online. You can do it in Melbourne. You can do it on, sun, on the Sunshine Coast. It's at the end of our Christian Essentials course, but you can just jump in at any time and do it. And I'd encourage you, if you're sitting there and in your heart going, that's me, that's me, I've got to deal with some things inside me because they're, they're messing with me. I've, maybe you've buried some things. And if you bury them, they will just come back to bite you. I've got to deal with some things. Lean in. Embrace your freedom and healing journey. We have a, a number of groups and courses we do that follow up that freedom experience. That's number three. Experience freedom and healing. I've got two to go. I'm not going to get into them fully right now. Number four. An aspect of transformation, this is how lives are transformed as we grow spiritually and we're in, in life skills. I believe church should be a transformation center. I believe that if you've been here for five years, your life should be way better than it was five years ago. I believe your marriage should be better. You, you should be a better parent. You should be a better manager of your money. You should be better in relationships. You should be better in so many different aspects. You should be closer to God. You should be more, uh, there should be a greater gentleness, a greater kindness, more like Jesus, because I'm growing spiritually and in life skills. But that just depends on how much you lean into it. That depends on how much you make the decision. I want to grow and be transformed. This is what the Bible says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. Come on, let's make church not just an added extra, but let it be the transformation center that God designed it to be. I love 
when Paul wrote to Timothy, I'm going to finish with this, 1 Timothy 4 verse 15. He talks about a whole lot of different things that Timothy should do. But he's reading the scripture, stirring up the gift of God in him. He said, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Are you progressing? Is it obvious? I love seeing Sienna get up here and share a story. Her progress is evident to all. She's leaning into what God's doing for her. Are you doing the same? Are you taking advantage of the, the courses, the groups, the, the experiences, the options, the conferences, the, the programs that are in place, the Bible college, the things that will help you grow spiritually for your life to be transformed? The last one is to pay it forward. There comes a moment where you go, okay, I've been transformed, but now I'm going to pay it forward to somebody else. I'm going to invite my friends to church. I'm going to help lead somebody else. I'm going to be involved in that. We won't go into that right now. Church, we're all about transformed lives. I want us to close our eyes across the room right now. Right at home where you're watching, close your eyes. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Our vision is transform lives. What's the, what's the takeaway for you today? Is it about beginning your relationship with God? Is it about connecting into the family, going from being an engager to an attender? Oh, sorry, an attender to an engager, getting connected? Is it about going from being a consumer to a contributor, beginning to serve? Do you need to lean into your freedom and healing journey? Are you growing spiritually? Are you growing in your life skills? And is it time to pay it forward, to start using your gifts to really make disciples? I pray, Father, right now, that you would seal in our hearts where we're positioned in your transformation of our lives and what we do as a church. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Fantastic. Isaac, I'm going to hand over to you. God bless you. Online, I'm handing you back to Teresa right now. Thank you.